Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Today, we have an amazing guest with us today. He was brought up in Santeria. His grandparents led him to Jesus. And after he was led to Jesus, miraculous things started to happen. His life was opened up to the supernatural. He even actually experienced an earthquake that no one else felt. You're going to want to hear this. Also, he had a vision, a specific vision that every one of you will want to hear. His name is Luis Rodriguez. Luis, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Luis, tell us, you were raised up in Santeria. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> so my family, um, they profess to be Catholics. And one of the biggest things about this uh, Santeria religion uh, it's a type of witchcraft, first and foremost, but it's a type of witchcraft that hides behind Catholicism uh, and Christian practices. Um, I guess you could say Orthodox practices. So my family, uh, they were, I guess, unintentionally practicing this type of witchcraft. And when I say it, it wasn't intentional in their mind, it really wasn't, it was because they were raised in a family that did this traditionally. And so um, my grandparents back in Cuba, my mother's uh, parents, they had left that long ago, but my mother still stuck with those traditions. So in the household, we would have witchcraft items and things like that. And, and we, we had no idea of that until the Lord brought uh, an understanding into my life after I gave my life up to Jesus. He brought that conviction and that understanding of, hey, you know, no wonder why this household is so... I guess you could say demonized. <laughs> okay, we have so, all these things going on, you know? So when you say you had a lot of witchcraft items in your house, what items in particular are you pertaining to? Yeah, so like um, my mom always had this statue of Mary, but within that, uh, within the statue of Mary, there's like a little, little bowl surrounding it. And <clears throat> she would put things in there like money, beads, uh, just rice, you know, very witchcraft, African type stuff. <clears throat> and, and that's what they do. They, um, they give money to the gods. They, you know, they, they give food to the gods, food offerings, things of that nature. But they hide behind, in Santeria, they hide behind uh, Christian, I guess, uh, Christian patriarchs. So it, it's almost, a, it's a very deceiving religion because most Christians will walk into I would say most religious Christians would walk into a house where someone is practicing this type of witchcraft and wouldn't even know that they're practicing it because they have a statue of Mary or a statue of Jesus or of Lazarus. You know, they worship the saints. So it's hard to identify. And that's, that's what my mom had. She, she just had, she had that and she would have veils of, uh, of water in glass, which is a very, it's reminiscent of witchcraft. Um, yeah, and Santeria, water and glass. I don't know what it means, but 
it is reminiscent of some form of protection against evil spirits. So is it any glass, like a, like a drinking glass or a vase? Yeah, like a, like a see-through drinking glass, a vase, uh, whatever you wanted to put water in, really. And then she would she would put those vases right next to the statue. So it's it's full-on idolatry, full-on witchcraft in the house. Um, and did she teach yeah. you and your siblings no. about Santeria? No, that's that's a good thing about it is that she wasn't pushy when it came to that. It was kind of like her own thing. Uh, she didn't want us to get involved because I feel like maybe deep down inside she was convicted that it was wrong. But because that spirit of religion is so influential these days and so powerful, she probably couldn't let it go. It was attached. It was like a, um, it was like a soul tie to that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, almost like an identity. Or pretty much that was yeah. That was her identity because she was raised with it. Wow. So I know you mentioned that there was a type of chaos in the house because of it. Do yeah. you mind mentioning in some no, kind of? No, no. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So in the house, there would be a lot of negativity. Now, I, I know now that it was demonic spirits. Um, we just had a lot of uh, fighting, bickering in the house. Uh, even to the point where things would get physical. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say these things because um, God is real. God is powerful. God can really turn the situation around. And he eventually did. But there were many years of just a brutal onslaught of, of demonic attack. And I could see it through my parents. So I would see these demons manifesting through the parents. And, and when you're, when you're uh, practicing witchcraft, even unknowingly, um, you're cursing your kids, you know. And so I had a lot of anger growing up, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it does uh, it does affect the entire household. It really does. It wow. Really does. Wow. Now, so your house was chaotic because of what your parents unknowingly were doing or knowing what they were worshiping, yeah. but not understanding the repercussions of it. Cool. But you had two older people who adopted you in the way as your grandparents. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Yes, absolutely. So I call them my grandparents. Um, they're not blood related to me. <clears throat> so my grandma, who I call my grandma, her name is Miracle. And actually she was a walking miracle. Um, she had all sorts of like, she had a heart transplant and all sorts of surgeries where you would, you would just look at her and say, wow, like, how are you even still alive? She was literally a miracle. And um, she was my mom's cousin. Um, I don't know if it was like third or fourth, but because she was so much older, she ends up being my grandma. You know, in the Hispanic culture, we kind of adopt older people as our grandma and grandpas, even though they're not, um, you know, by blood. So I adopted her as my grandma and her husband as my grandpa and my sister and I, we both did. And so they were the only, I guess you could say shining light in our lives as far as Christianity. They were the only ones that were, they were Pentecostal, so you already know they were, you know, they're pretty much on fire <laughs> in their own way. Not that I'm a denominational guy, but they they had it going on. Like they trusted in the Holy Spirit. And um, so, yeah, they led me to the Lord and my sister and I had a supernatural experience with them. And this all started uh, going over to their house every summer. Wait, and before so, that, wait, wait, before that though. Yeah. Because I know what you're about to say. Yeah. Um, were you born again yet when this event happened? No. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Cause I thought it was in a different order. All right. So I'll let you finish. So this yeah. is what we were talking about. You experienced yeah. something that no one else felt except for you and your sister. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've heard you say this with other people before. Um, other people have mentioned things like, well, I, I didn't know God, but I always knew there was a God. And, and that was, that was the same for us as kids. Like we knew there was a God, but we didn't know about him. I always believed that Jesus Christ was God. And I don't know where that came from. I couldn't really tell you. No one in my family taught me that. It's just something that I believed growing up. And um, yeah, so that part happened. And uh, so now we're at my grandparents' house and they're telling me about Jesus. And I'm like, well, I want to hear more about Jesus. Like I already believe in a God. I just want to know who he is, right? Like I want to know who this Jesus guy is. And uh, I learn about Jesus. They, they teach me about Jesus. And they asked me, hey, do you want to invite the Lord into your life? And, you know, at the time, they, they go with the sinner's prayer. A lot of people do this, even though it's not in the Bible. But I still agree with, uh, with that prayer as far as sowing seeds. It does sow seeds. And so I recited this prayer, but I really meant it from the heart. And my sister did, too. And right then and there, when we recited this prayer, we felt the presence of the Lord in the room. We felt peace. We even felt like someone was like almost like touching us in the spirit, like touching our hearts. Like literally we had a change of heart, like someone grabbed onto your heart physically and just kind of like squeezed it. And that was the sensation that we felt. We felt a very supernatural type of sensation, of a comfort, a peace. And we knew it was God, but it didn't stop there. And that's the thing. It went further than that. And so after that, I was like, okay, like, this is awesome. You know, I felt really good. I don't know much about Christianity, but I want to know about this Jesus. And my grandpa goes, hey, let's go into the living room and let's play this. Uh, I'm going to play this, uh, this tape for you. And you're going to see this little girl being led by the Holy Spirit. She's on fire. And so he puts on this tape that he had. I don't even know where he got it from. And there was this little five-year-old girl who was just preaching. And she was on fire, like five years old, she was on fire. And all of a sudden, during that moment, it's almost like time froze for my sister and I. As we're watching this, in my mind's eye, I could see a flash of lightning. This happened in my head. I saw this flash of lightning. I couldn't see anything else. And then there was an earthquake that occurred. And in the middle of West Palm Beach summer, you don't feel earthquakes in Florida. You just don't. They're so minor in magnitude that you're not going to feel them. And so this happened, and I felt it in my very core. The whole trailer that we were in, at the time my grandma lived in a trailer park, her trailer was shaking, right? And we knew that if, if we weren't protected by whatever was protecting us, we would probably die because it was that powerful. And I was afraid of it. And, and I believe my sister was too because I was trembling the entire time it happened. And so I see this, I see this flash of lightning, we experience this earthquake, and then all of a sudden, silence, quiet, there's nothing going on, and we see this ball of, this bright ball of light, just the purest white light we have ever seen in our lives, and we knew it was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit actually came physically and presented himself to us so that we would know that we made the right decision in coming to Christ and coming into faith and he showed up and it was like for a good maybe a minute and and this ball of light this bright light just it was in midair 
probably six feet in the air, just stayed perfectly still, perfectly silent. There was no chaos, no earthquakes. It was, it was just incredible. It was like after the storm came, Holy Spirit came and just calmed everything. And that was my first introduction to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I remember you mentioned at the very beginning of your uh, story how you said something happened in your head. What was it that you said you, happened in your head? Um, yeah, so in, so in my head, I could see, I could only see, it was almost like I was in a vision state. I could only see the flash of lightning. It happened in my head. Like I couldn't see my surrounding, uh, my surroundings. I couldn't see them all, but I can see the flash of lightning in my head. I don't know how to explain it. You know, I think in the Bible, Paul refers to this experience as whether I was in my body or out of my body. I don't really know, you know, when he refers to that. So I don't know how to explain it either. I'd probably explain it just like that. I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body, but I saw that. And, you know, that's all I could see for, for that period of time. And then, yeah. but you say your sister saw this too. She did. Yeah. She now, was, now, was it the same vantage point that you saw it? Did she say that? Wow. Wow. 100% the exact same thing that I experienced, she experienced. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned to me soon after you asked your grandparents if they felt it and what do they say? Yeah, they, <clears throat> they didn't feel anything. Um, I have to clear my throat. I'm sorry. That's they okay. didn't feel anything at all. Um, they actually were surprised that pieces of the roof had fallen off. They didn't know how it got there. And that's, that's exactly what happened. There were these pieces of, of wood from the trailer, from the ceiling that had already gone bad before this event happened, but they were actually literally falling off after the event happened. And they had no idea that that was even there. So it, it was weird. It's like when we came out of this vision trance, whatever you want to call it, that stuff was there. It was like everything in the spirit realm kind of like bleeds through the physical realm. And they were able to witness that and see that, but they couldn't explain how it got there, but we could explain how it got there. So it was weird. Wow. So what was yeah. her response? I mean, when you told her there was an earthquake, yeah. were they baffled? They were, they were baffled, but they were excited because again, they're spirit filled people. They know God is supernatural. They didn't have to question it. They were just like, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Cause that was the first time we ever knew anything about Jesus. And, you know, you have all these miraculous events happening right after these two kids accept Jesus Christ. Like, in their mind, they're probably thinking, yeah, well, God did something here. He definitely did something here. So, yeah, they were baffled, but they were more excited for what God was doing than questioning what God was doing, you know? So that was your first introduction into the divine supernatural. So <laughs> after that, you oh. began seeing angels and demons. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. Yeah. So this was probably maybe a year after that event. After I gave my life to Jesus um, and we had that supernatural occurrence, one day I was in my room and I was praying to the Lord and I was really getting into some prayer. You know, my grandparents had taught me how to pray. So I'm just establishing a relationship with God at this point. I'm, I'm a new baby lamb. You know, I don't know much, but I'm pressing into God. And this one night as I'm praying, I try to go to sleep, but I get woken up by uh, angels, a visitation of angels. And when they wake me up, we have this conversation together. I was surprised and I was, I was very afraid, you know, and they had to calm me down. 
Um, they did. They had to calm me down. It was almost like the glory was just too much. But then at a time where they had calmed me down, then it just felt peaceful. I felt like I had known them my whole life. It was a really weird like transition, you know, from this realm into being in their presence. It's a strange transition that you'll never forget. It's powerful. And so I was fearful. And this one, uh, what I would say, honestly, look, a lot of people debate about whether there's female angels or just all male angels. I don't know. I, all I know is that this person that presented themselves to me was a female. And she was small. She was about my age. And I remember glitter, like glitter being on her face. And I, you know, I thought it was glitter in my mind, but it was probably just the glory of God. But it looked like glitter on her face, like, like she had, you know, I, I equated it to makeup, I guess. But it was just like glitter all over her face. She was beautiful, gorgeous little girl. And she was talking to me. And when she started talking to me, that's when I felt the peace and I was calm. And we were having this conversation, right? And then it was almost like God transitioned me from seeing the conversation in, in a different way. It was like I was seeing it from afar, like my spirit had left my body and I was seeing what was going on from afar. So a lot of weird transitional set pieces occurred during this event, but it was in real time. I was actually woken up from my sleep to experience this and they were in there. So when I say they, it wasn't just her. There were these tall angels too in the background that didn't speak at all. They didn't speak. They didn't have any smile on their face. They were there to do a job. And you could tell they were there to do a job. And I, I believe that they were the bodyguards, I guess. You know, they were protecting the area. But they didn't speak at all. And they were like seven, eight foot tall. Wow. To the How point old where were you around that time? I was like, I was 12, like 12 or 13. Uh, now, do yeah. you believe that they were your guardian angels? Since it felt like you knew them all your life. Have you ever thought maybe know. they were your guardian angels? It, I did think that at one point. Um, the enemy had me go into so many different, uh, you know, thoughts when it comes to that. Like, God, you know, the enemy will always try to come in and try to distort what you saw. And even some people would come to me, like the enemy would use some Christians to come to me about this experience and tell me that, no, those were demons. Those were devils. But I'm like, no, this was different. And then when I had experience with demons, I could go back to that experience and say, no, they were not demons at all. So I don't know who they were. Yes, I've thought about them being my guardian angels. But to this day, God will not allow me to remember that conversation. He won't allow me to remember it. All I know is that I was laughing with them. We were having a good time. But there was also a serious moment where she did warn me. And she said, she said, you will go through like, from what I remember, this is what I remember. She said, you'll go through your punishment, but in the end, you will make it. And I didn't understand what that even meant. I still, to this day, don't understand. Maybe she was alluding to how we all go through trials and tribulations and we have to overcome them. And she was alluding to me having hard times, which I did. There were plenty of hard times ahead of me. And that I was going to overcome those hard times because of my trust in the Lord. But she did mention that. And that was the only piece of the conversation that I could mention but the verbiage was strange for me the fact that she would say you will have your punishments but in the end you will make it I never understood that verbiage to this day I don't and I still pray about it you know I don't know but yeah that that happened and when they left here's the interesting part when they left I felt how dark and dreary 
and sinful this world was. When they had left the room, they had brightened up the room. And a supernatural thing happened where those angels being eight foot tall, my roof wasn't even eight feet. So they enlarged the dimensions of the room to even fit themselves in there. Really quick, I'm really glad you mentioned that because every time I hear people say, I saw a nine, 10 foot angel in their room. I'm like, your ceiling's that tall. Wow, you have a big bedroom. But I'm so <laughs> glad you explained that part. So like you said, it's as if the dimension expands. Yes. Yeah. It's like the, my room expanded dimensions just for them. Even physical things can be distorted for, for those who, you know, are led by God and have the Holy Spirit. So it was just amazing to see that kind of power. And they were able to do that. And that's why they fit. Because if not, they would have to duck a little bit to fit in my room. But that didn't happen. Supernaturally, they were able to fit. The room was enlarged. But the biggest catch from it was when they left, the feeling of dread and darkness that overcame me. I literally sat in my bed for hours. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed with fear. Like For some reason, I was paralyzed with fear when they left. When they were there, I was calm. I was peaceful. But when they had left, I felt the darkness of this world come upon me. And I couldn't even move. I felt paralyzed. It was rough. So it was yeah. almost as if you experienced the peace of heaven. You know, when people visit heaven yeah. and they're like, I, I don't, I don't ever want to come back. Heaven's so great. Then when they go back to earth, they're like, this world is so awful. Why am I still here? So it's, um, it sounds like you got a piece of heaven. So tell us a little bit more. Okay. So you had other experiences besides this one. What yes. else happened to you? So after this angelic experience, I didn't have an angelic experience again for many, many, many years. Um, it was all just demonic. So because my parents had ancestral, I believe in generational curses. So because I was a thing in our family, a lot of these demons stuck around. Even after I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, that doesn't mean that the darkness goes away. Um, it, it does in some, in some cases, but not when it comes to generational curses. See, it was up to me to break those things. And I knew in the spirit, it was up to me to break that. Now that I've come to this, to Jesus Christ, and I've come to this understanding of the power of the Holy Spirit and that I have it in me, now I can break those things that my parents and the previous generations never broke. And I came to that understanding. But because I wasn't there yet in my faith, I had a lot of demonic attacks happen in that house. Um, there was just a lot of darkness in that house at the time. So it was like, literally, it was a battle of good and evil in that house. I would have these angel visitations. I would have the Holy Spirit come and manifest. But then I would also have these demons come too. And so there was a battle for many years of demonic spirits coming into my bedroom, tormenting me, messing with me, telling me that everything was going to be okay. You know, just weird situations like that where I had, um, I just remember very vividly, there was this shadow what people call like a shadow spirit or whatever, you know, it's, it's like a dark spirit. It has no facial features, just this black mass. You could tell it it's humanoid because you could see the, the silhouette of its, you know, but it's a demonic spirit. And I knew it was, and it would come to me and it would walk next to me, sit on my bed and sometimes even sit on my chest and say to me, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, <laughs> So, yeah, and so I just kept having demonic experiences. <clears throat> I remember one time I was sleeping, and I like to sleep with a fan on. That's just me. I just like to, you know, even if it's cold in the house, I have to have a fan on. It just eases me, puts me to sleep. And, <laughs> and in the spirit, 
there was a demon, and I believe it was Satan. He, he said he was Satan. I don't know. You know, it could be could be another demon, but it said it was Satan, and it was speaking through the fan. It was a weird supernatural occurrence. And as the fan was spinning, I usually like it to spin at top speed. And this demon was taunting me, and it was like the just the most heinous voice, gnarly voice you've ever heard in your life. And it was calling me a B word, all kinds of things. And it was like, do you want more? And, it, and the fan spun faster than what it's, fun, you know, what it's supposed to go. And it was just weird. It was, a, it, was, it was a weird experience. It was a scary experience. But these were things that were happening periodically throughout my life that got me conditioned for what I do now for the Lord in his kingdom, for deliverance ministry. So it conditioned me to be brave, to confront these devils and, and really be on my toes when it comes to the spiritual warfare aspect of Christian, you know, Christianity. So, yeah. So did you experience any of this warfare before you and your sister gave your life to Jesus or was it after and then you begin to have yeah. these battles, battles, sorry, you begin to have these battles between good and evil? Yes, I actually did. That's a, that's a real good question. I did have some experiences before these events. And uh, just to name two that I really remember being a child, I was probably five years old. I still remember this vividly. Uh, my parents, they, they ran, um, they worked in a pizzeria. It was a family run pizzeria in West Palm Beach. And on the, on the back end of that pizzeria, there was like a river and a huge ditch. And if you go straight down, like you're going to hurt yourself. And um, so what happened was I was in the back playing, you know, as kids usually do, I was roaming around the business and then I ended up going to the back, but I was by myself, you know, and usually bad things happen when kids are by themselves. Well, a supernatural bad thing happened. I remember vividly that uh, I, I heard this voice coming from the roof of the business and this voice was telling me to throw myself off into the ditch. I remember that as a kid vividly, like throw yourself off. And it was laughing at me. It was like, it's going to be okay. Go ahead and throw yourself off into the ditch. And I just remember being scared and I ran inside and I was telling people about the situation, but they didn't believe me. And I knew as a kid, they wouldn't believe me either. So that was the first occurrence. And then at my parents' house, also around the same time, I had this encounter with a spirit in the house, a demon that manifested itself like it, it looked like a man, but he had like a bunch of bruises, a bunch of cuts all over his body. And for those who practice Santeria, there's a statue of Lazarus that has a lot of bruises and a lot of marks on him. And, and with that statue of Lazarus, there's always the image of these dogs licking the wounds. And so I experienced someone that looked similar to that statue or some spirit that was impersonating that. And that's how I knew that there was witchcraft in my family. Now that I think about it in retrospect, that was definitely a sign from the Lord that there were generational ties to witchcraft that had to be broken. And this spirit manifested itself like that Lazarus statue. So imagine being five years old and you see a guy that's drenched in blood and has open sores all over his body. These were the type of supernatural experiences that I was having at such a young age. So it's like God was conditioning me to be a warrior in the spirit. From a very young age because wow. most you know, kids wouldn't have been able to handle that no, no you're absolutely right so god had no to way. be protecting you and it's very interesting that you said that there was a statue of lazarus 
Because yeah. when you were uh, speaking earlier how in Santeria they had statues of Mary and Jesus and Lazarus, yeah. I've never seen a statue of Lazarus. So I'm really glad you explained that part. I didn't know yeah. that in Santeria they have statues of Lazarus. Yes. Bruises and all this. Wow. Like I was saying before, it's a counterfeit. It, it's like they're hiding behind Christianity or uh, orthodoxy. And that's how those witches and warlocks that practice century get away with witchcraft. Because uh, a Christian that doesn't have any spiritual awareness will come into a house where there is a practitioner of Santeria and they'll think that they're Christians or they'll think that they're Catholics because they have all these statues of Mary and Jesus. And it, it's, it's a deception. I was about to say that deception. Very Yes, good. it's a deception because behind that worship, they're worshiping African demons. Yes, and that's what Santeria is, right? A mixture of the African demon gods with, with Catholicism. 100%. And so it's, it's a huge deception, you know, wow. some, some of these people watching now probably have friends that are doing this and they don't even know. And they'll go in next time. You have statues in your house. Get them out <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to give your viewers some cues on how they can tell whether or not someone is diving into that. If you have any Catholic friends and they have money and beads being thrown at these statues, money, beads, um, rice, any type of food, any type of candy, those are all offerings to these demonic African gods. So you may see that thing right next to a statue of Mary, but they're not worshiping Mary. They're worshiping the African god that's behind the saint. Wow. Yeah, wow. so it's, it's, wow. a, it's a deceptive thing. And even some of them that do this, they don't even realize that they're doing it because a lot of them, unfortunately, are oppressed by demonic spirits that have... It's almost like that veil, you know, that the Lord talks about in the Bible, that veil that the Pharisees had over their eyes. Same thing in witchcraft. They have this veil over their eyes and they really can't see anything else but pleasing these demonic spirits. They want to please them. Mm. Now, Lewis, I know for a fact that there are some people who's watching this interview right now who actually have these things in their house. Yeah. How can they know that they're being oppressed by these demonic spirits? That's a good question. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of signs of demonization. Um, and, and again, you know, pray about it. But these are the signs that are most common with people that I work deliverance with. Uh, ringing of the ears, constant migraines, uh, you know, uh, repetitive sin. So going around the, the same mountain over and over again with a particular type of sin is also a sign that there's a demonic force that's trying to oppress you that's demonizing you and that's stopping you from getting closer to the lord uh nightmares sleep paralysis so as you're sleeping and you have those encounters where you know you can't move you can't speak and you know there's something iffy going on in the room those experiences that's all signs of demonic oppression and if you're having any of that going on you need help also infirmities in the body um like arthritis and things of that nature also caused by spirits. I mean, Jesus casted out a spirit of infirmity. I believe it was, wasn't it Peter's uh, mother-in-law? I believe mm -hmm. it was Peter's mother-in-law that was sick in bed and he casted out the spirit of infirmity. And so demons also cause infirmities in people's bodies. And if you're, and if you're diving into witchcraft, you need to stay away from it because it will bring curses upon you and your family. And uh, I do believe in that. Now, again, 
You can break those curses by the blood of Jesus Christ, but to have those things in your household is considered idolatry. And horoscopes is a big thing nowadays. So if you have if you have any horoscope books in your house or just anything that has to do with the new age, get rid of that stuff. That stuff will also bring in demonic spirits. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And I'm really glad you mentioned that because I've had a lot of viewers mention that there's nothing that they believe there's nothing wrong with new age is there to help them. Um, it's nothing wrong with having these crystal crystals or these horoscopes or Ouija's or, you know, all these or sage, all these different things, because it's there to help because God made it. Could you just explain to them why it's bad and why it actually does usher in the demonic realm? Yeah. Um, well, it's a good question. Yeah. A lot of people, it's almost like when people say these kind of things and you know, this is, this is just a rebuke in love. When they say these kind of things, they're saying that Jesus Christ isn't enough. They're saying that his sacrifice isn't enough. His blood isn't enough, that they need sage, that they need these crystals to bring them good luck. You know, those, those things are not biblical. If anything, what new agers tend to do is they worship creation over the creator and they put all of their worship and adoration to the creation instead of God. And so there's a lot of doctrines of devils that will confuse them and convince them that they need all of these things to be positive, to have all this positive energy and to have all these good things happen in their life. But really that's a satanic doctrine. <clears throat> and I would really recommend that they pray about those things. Just really ask the Lord Jesus because Jesus is enough. You don't need sage and all these other things. If anything, because you're doing it with the wrong intentions, with with uh, unbiblical intentions, demons will come and reciprocate that intention because devils want to be worshipped. And if you're worshipping something that's other than Jesus Christ or other than what God has established, then all you're doing is worshipping these lowercase g gods. And now you're inviting them into your house. And we also have to look at the roots of this belief and where it comes from. Look at the roots of Hinduism, of Taoism, of all these enlightened religions. Look at the roots of them. They don't come from Jesus Christ at all. They come from doctrines of devils. We have to understand that these demons have been on earth way longer than any of us. And they wanted to be worshipped. The Bible mentions that a third of the angels had fallen. Well, a third of the angels could have been millions of them. And they all want to be worshipped. And they also have a hierarchy. There are some uh, demonic spirits that are stronger than others. And, they, and, and, those, and those that are in charge have to, you know, they, the little ones have to obey them. And so there is an organization to even Satan's kingdom. There is. And it's, and it's devastating if you invite that into your house. And so I just challenge people to look into the origins of what they're practicing to really see whether or not it's something that comes from the Lord, because it may sound good. And that's what the devil does. He mixes in the truth with a lie. It's always going to sound good because of the devil just comes out straight at you and says, hey, I really want you to practice this because I want to take you to hell. Most people will not practice it, but he doesn't do that. He disguises himself behind this. Oh, you know, because we're spiritual beings in nature, he disguises behind that mess to deceive us into practicing things that open doors to, to Satan and his kingdom. And, and that's what it really is. It's He's always going to make things look elaborate and just 
beautiful and peaceful. It's all about love and this and that, but it's not Jesus's love. Okay. It's more of a lust. It's more of a power thing. It, it's just not biblical. And that I is would a fantastic really, answer. Fantastic. Stay away from it. Fantastic. <laughs> Jesus is enough, people. Jesus is enough. You don't need that stuff. Yes. Okay. So you yeah. mentioned that on was it January 2017? Yes. January 22nd. January 22nd. You had a vision, an amazing vision that really opened up your eyes even more so. Could you tell us about this amazing vision? I think we're all going to want to hear this. Yeah, this is awesome. So, um, so January 22nd, 2017, I was still in the Marine Corps at the time. And um, I remember just really pressing into, into the Lord. I was spending time in the secret place with him. And that secret place that I chose was just my closet. I would just go in there every day and just pray. And I really like, my gosh, if you really want the anointing to come upon you, spend time in the secret place with the Lord. That's where you're going to get all the power that you need to overcome any obstacle in your life. And so as I'm spending time with the Lord, I'm asking him about the rapture because I was one of those Christians. I was really into that whole rapture phase, you know, that whole YouTube rapture phase where everyone was like, oh yeah, I think it's going to happen on this day, that day, you know? And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm, I, you know, I believe in the rapture. I do. It's biblical, but I don't know when it's going to happen. And a lot of these YouTubers, you know, they're just, they're really excited, but it's almost like they're overzealous. And I'm like, Lord, what is the truth here? You know, I'm stuck in between post-tribulation, pre-trib, you know, what is it? And so I'm praying and I'm really spending time with the Lord. And uh, on January 22nd, my birthday, God gives me this really special gift. And I had a vision. And in this vision, I remember I couldn't really differentiate. Like I was there. Right, I was experiencing this thing, and so I had fallen asleep. And I see this vision of people doing their day to day thing. I see people shopping, I see a mother and a daughter holding hands, and they're going around this you know, they're shopping together. I just see cars, I see people just living everyday life. It's a normal day, it was actually bright and sunny outside, nothing strange, nothing out of the ordinary. This is how I see the vision. And uh, out of nowhere, the vision shifts. And now I am in this auditorium. And it looks like a, like a high school basketball gymnasium where you have the bleachers that kind of stack up, you know. And uh, I'm sitting there listening to this man preach. And this man was on fire. He was on fire. He was preaching. He was on fire. I felt the Holy Spirit. And he's preaching so on fire that in this vision, I get up, I stand up to give him an applause because I'm like, wow, God, you're amazing. Like This man is speaking, you know, he's, he's speaking little flames right now. And all of a sudden, I start feeling this sensation of being lifted up. And I knew something was coming. You know that feeling that you get where the Holy Spirit's about to reveal something to you? Well, it was that feeling times a thousand. I felt something was about to happen. And as I'm being lifted up, I'm being tilted forward and I'm going over these bleachers. Now I'm really high up there. So at this point I'm floating, right? And I'm like, all right, it's time to go home. And all of a sudden, just like the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, I end up in the clouds. And I see these people yelling and screaming. 
And there's one thing I want to mention about seeing these people. I didn't see very many people in the clouds. It was almost like people were kind of like um, far away from each other. But you could hear, I could hear people yelling and screaming. And one guy said, it's finally happened. It's here, finally, you know? So people were expecting this to occur. And so as I'm seeing this, I'm just floating up there and looking around and, and I hear faintly trumpet sound. I faintly hear it in the clouds. Um, you would think that I would hear it full on blast, but I just faintly heard it while I'm in the clouds. I don't know why Jesus wanted me to, to faintly hear it. Um, you know, sometimes we don't know why God does certain things, but I do know that this rapture happened suddenly. It happened without warning. And I really do believe in the pre-tribulation rapture because of this dream, because I was spending so much time with God prior to that, that I just had never felt anything like this vision before. It really was. And so I'm in the clouds and that's where it ends. It was very quick. But when I woke up, I woke up in sweats and I thought that I was actually there. I thought that it was actually happening. So I was almost a little bit traumatized that it didn't happen. You know, that's how involved I was in this vision. And so I tell people this because I want everyone to know that whatever you believe in post-trib, it, it, it don't matter. Just be ready anyways. Be prepared regardless with the Lord now. And don't wait until later to be right with God. Because the devil is counting on you to wait until later. I met this young man earlier uh, earlier this week. And um, he came to church finally. You know, everyone was praying for him to come. He finally came. But when he was talking to me about his relationship with Jesus, he's 18 years old. He said, well, Lewis, you know, I just haven't really made up my mind about Jesus because I, I'm 18. I still want to party. I still want to do this. Maybe later. I said, brother, you probably don't have later. I'm 27 years old. And a lot of my friends in high school that thought they had later passed away at an early age, at that age. And even younger, they're gone. So choose Jesus now. And whether you believe in this pre-trib, post-trib, it don't matter. You have to be prepared regardless, you know, but I wanted to share that experience because that's what the Lord showed me when I was, when I was uh, in deep prayer and really just wanting to find the truth about the rapture event. And it happened out of nowhere. Amen, Lewis. And I'm, I have a few questions for you. Um, now, I know exactly what you're saying when you're so um, into your worship closet and worshiping with the Lord where God, do you just feel the manifestation of Holy Spirit and then you're someplace else. Now, when you were in this vision, you said that the world looked normal. Question for you. Did the world, because we're going to we keep hearing, it's going to get better. I mean, sorry, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. People have a vision of how the world will look like when the rapture happens. Right. Did you see the entire world in starvation? Did you see any of that? You know, no, I didn't. Um, that was my experience. I did not see that. Now, I remember I, I watched one of your videos with a gentleman that was talking about different types of raptures. Hey, that still could be a possibility. I just saw the one that occurred before all that mess had happened. Um, and I also had some visions about another trumpet blast happening during the earth being in a devastated state. 
but I just don't believe that was a rapture. I believe that was probably just one of the scrolls opening up and, you know, and Revelation's doing its thing, you know, God doing his thing, judgment on the world. But I didn't see that. I didn't see any of that. It was just a, a clear, sunny day. People were living their life normal. What God had me see was just a regular day. It was nothing out of the ordinary. And thank you for answering that, because the reason why I wanted you to answer that is because Jesus specifically describes his coming or, or him taking us away. Uh, he compared it to Lot and Noah, how everything was normal. People were drinking, giving in marriage, just yes, yes. buying, selling, doing everything that was normal. There was nothing out of the ordinary to make people question whether something uh, disastrous was going to happen. It was just normal, which is why I believe Jesus said uh, he would come during a twinkling of an eye. So it would just be just like that. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people are expecting to see the world in disarray and, but it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It can be, you know, anytime in the future where it's your happiest day is your worst day. It can be any day, but like you said, just be ready. Another thing, so you mentioned that when you were up in the sky, you noticed that there weren't a whole lot of people going up. No. Yeah, that was uh, devastating for me. When I really think back to the vision and I see that people were spaced out, um, I don't know if they were just spaced out to be spaced out or it was because not very many people will make it into that rapture. Um, I tend to believe that many people won't make it. I really do. A lot of people's hearts are just so cold and so hard. And, and um, like I said, they have that mentality where it's like, hey, maybe later I'll give my life to the Lord. Maybe later I'll fully submit to God. And this is just me speculating, but maybe the reason why the rapture happens whenever it occurs is because God wants to really drive it home to us that you don't have, tomorrow's not promised to you. You could be gone tomorrow. Your life here is fleeting. We're ambassadors to this world. We're here to do God's mission and then go home to our real home. So people don't have all this time that they think they have. They just don't. And, and I, I, yeah, I, I'm sad about it, but that's what I saw. I can only describe it to you the way that I saw it. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I didn't see very many people going up. I didn't, yeah. unfortunately. And, and exactly what you're telling me now is the same thing you told me earlier. It matches up completely. You didn't add or subtract anything. Now, there's some people who are watching this who are wondering, okay, how do I make it in this rapture? Because I don't want to be left behind. And Lewis didn't see a whole lot of people. I want to make sure that I'm one of these people. How do they make sure that they're ready for the taking yeah. away of the church? Because, I yeah. mean, the Bible, Jesus described that it's going to be worse than it's ever been there. We've had comments where people were like, they were saying things like, um, uh, it can't be that bad in the tribulation or how, how worse could it be? Well, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, God rained down hell brimstone and, and, um, was yeah, it sulfur, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And, um, I mean, and, and during Noah's time for the great flood, they drowned. I mean, it's an awful way to die. I mean, it was a violent storm. It wasn't just rain. I mean, it was violent where the, gushers of water just open. What advice would you give them? What um, lifestyle would you usher them into 
in order to get into that relationship with God, to make them comfortable knowing that they are going to be caught up in the rapture of the church or taking yeah. up because we know some people have a problem with the term rapture. Yes. Um, now I'm reading in first Timothy, second Timothy, there's a lot of comforting things there, but to allude to the rapture, Obviously, we look at things like Second Thessalonians, right? But to have a real understanding of who the bride of Christ truly is, I think is pretty clear to me just reading passages in Second Thessalonians and, and, and even, going, even going deeper into the New Testament, into Paul's books. To me, Jesus already did the hard part, right? Like we understand that Jesus did the hard part for us. And it's, it's coming into a full circle relationship with, with the Lord and truly surrendering and obeying God. That's what's going to get you. I believe that's what's going to get you into the rapture is, is being that person that is set apart from the world and fully surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. But from what I've read, what I remember reading, it always comforts me to know that if you just place Jesus Christ first, you cannot fail. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will not fail you. If you have a genuine relationship with the Lord, you will be going into that rapture. I truly believe that. Your relationship could be rocky at times. All of our relationship with Jesus can be rocky at times and solid at times. We're not perfect, but Jesus Christ, like I said before, he's done the hard part for us. He gave himself, you know, he was a perfect sacrifice. And we just have to honor that, really honor that, believe that and take it seriously and obey God. He calls us to obey him. And so I think if you obey the Lord, which is scriptural, and you have a genuine relationship with the Lord, you will make it. But you have to make up your mind now. You can't wait until later. Because if, even if you believe in mid or post-trib, if it is a pre-trib rapture, you got to be prepared now. You got to be getting ready to submit yourself to the Lord now, because that day could happen at any moment. And again, you shouldn't be in this for what God can give you. You should just be in this for the love of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, there are things that God expects of us to do. And it's very little compared to what he's done. It's very little. It's not strenuous. It's really not that hard. It's not. Now, when you're coming against people that are in deliverance ministry, yeah, you're going to get attacked more often. But that's another reason just to push you further into that secret place with the Lord and get you further in your relationship with God. So yes, I, I, I do believe that as long as you make Jesus Christ first and your relationship with the Lord is solid, you will make it. You will make it. You know, it, It's about denying yourself daily. I have to deny myself every day because I have urges. I get tempted to do all kinds of sinful things because we're still living in this. You know, What does the Bible say about that? Um, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is but the flesh is weak. The spirit's always willing to get closer to God, but you have to overcome this flesh. You have to overcome that flesh. And the only way to do that, I think, is spending time with God and having a genuine relationship with the Lord. I completely it's agree. So you are no longer in the United States. The Lord moved you over to the other side of the country. Some people are watching from this country. Where are you now, Louis? Yeah, so I'm in Adelaide, South Australia. All right. And what did the Lord call you to do over there? What are you doing over there? Deliverance. Amen. I believe that the Lord called me to come here to do deliverance because there's not a lot of people doing it here. Um, there's not as many pioneers of deliverance. Back at home, there's plenty of them. 
Back in the U.S., there's plenty of them, and I wish there was more. To be honest, there's still not enough. We don't have enough laborers in the field, but Australia has even less. And so this is where God called me. But I was telling you, I was telling you before, sis, that if the Lord called me to go to China or you know wherever, that's where I'm going. But He called me here, and people's hearts here for the Lord, uh, it, it's just it's it's not good. It's a bad situation here. You could see it. You could see it in people. People are really struggling here. And there's a big movement of, of the new age here in, in Australia, huge new age movement, a lot of witchcraft here. And so people's hearts are hardened to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're trying to be that example. We're trying to imitate Christ and show people love. And uh, hopefully I'm trying to build up a deliverance team here so that we can go out there and go to people's houses and visit people and actually conduct deliverance. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because maybe there's some people watching who want to join in with you, with your ministry. How can they do yeah. that? Just through email at the moment. I haven't really established a ministry per se. I'm on Isaiah Saldivar's uh, deliverance page. So for all of you who know who uh, Pastor Isaiah is, I'm on his deliverance page. Um, and now I recently just moved uh, my pinpoint on the map to South Australia. But I don't have a team yet, and I would really like to establish a team. I need people that are really willing to submit themselves to the Lord and really on fire for God. Um, and again, uh, this deliverance thing can be very dangerous. It, it really can. It can be very dangerous. I've experienced it firsthand how dangerous it can be. Uh, not because of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus makes it perfectly safe and fine. He's the one that gives you the power to do it. But when you're toying with sin and thinking that you can step into deliverance and you'll be fine and dandy when you have that crack in your armor that's when the devil will really mess people up so i really pray that if there's anyone that's interested that they'll be able to deny themselves and really just throw themselves into deliverance 100 percent and really be close to the father i i think that those that want to practice deliverance first of all it's really important it's a miracle and jesus tells us to do it according to Mark 16, I believe, the Great Commission, when he talks about the Great Commission. So Jesus tells us to do this, but we're not prepared most of the time to do it. And so if you have that fire about you where you want to get closer to the Lord, you want to spend time in the secret place, you are the perfect candidate for deliverance. We need more laborers in the field for deliverance like you who really spends genuine time with God and really wants to come up with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. So that's really important. And I, and I really recommend that you would, uh, yeah, that you would email me. Uh, and should I say my email through here? You could, you can do that. And I'm going to put your links in the description as well. Awesome. All right. So yeah, double whammy. How, how good is that? <laughs> so it's Spartan. So it's Spartan Marine. It's S-P-A-R-T-A-N Marine, M-A-R-I-N-E, uh, three sevens, seven, seven, seven at Gmail. And just contact me that you want to be involved. Because what we'll end up doing is we can do Zoom deliverances, uh, which have been very effective recently. So God is amazing. God has delivered people from demons even through a computer. It's incredible. The Holy Spirit of God, there is no limitations. So if you're excited about deliverance, contact me. Let's get into some fellowship and, uh, and really talk about establishing a team, at least for Zoom deliverances. And if you're in the area, contact me so we can get a group going here. We can start fellowshipping and learning more about deliverance. A book that I highly recommend for deliverance ministry, 
since there isn't a lot to, uh, to learn about deliverance through the scriptures, um, there is, but there isn't. For instance, we have those situations where a third of Jesus's ministry was casting out devils, but because the Holy Spirit in time reveals mysteries to his children, right, in time, there have been a lot of pioneers of deliverance that have learned so many things along the way through the Holy Spirit. And there are books out there like Gene B. Moody. Uh, Pastor Gene B. Moody has a book called The Deliverance Manual. Highly recommend it. Uh, so informative. Pray about it. But definitely the book to have if you want to get uh, and involve yourself into what I call the frontline ministry, which is deliverance. You will literally be at the front lines of this battle. And God calls us to fight these battles. And so, you know, be courageous. Step into it. Step into your destiny. And cast out devils. That's what Jesus told us to do. And lay hands on the sick and heal them. So let's go out there and show people the Holy Spirit. And that's what I believe will bring unity to the church. What will bring unity to the church is people experiencing the Holy Spirit of God. This is what the Holy Spirit himself has taught me. Through all my time ministering to other people, laying hands on people, praying for them. He's taught me that when you feel the presence of the Lord come upon your life, you will never think twice about I mean, it's different. It changes your whole life. doesn't matter what denomination you are. doesn't matter. When you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that brings unity in the body of Christ. So if you're being spirit-led, it will bring unity. It will. In your family, in your churches, it will bring unity. But let God show off. Let God show off. Boast only in the Lord, not in your works, but in what the Lord is doing through you, right? So we give praise and honor and glory to Christ in that respect because he uses people like us to, to do all these incredible things for this world. And we have another world ahead of us that is just, you know, who, who knows the kinds of wonders that are there. But you have so many guests that have come on and, and spoken about those things. Like there's a whole nother life to live, guys. This is just temporary. So while you're here, be a rebel like Jesus and cast out devils and heal the sick. Go out there and do these things. And obviously, I recommend that you, you know, there's there's a time for preparation. Don't just jump in there without knowing what to do. There's a time for everything. You know, prepare yourself. Get with people that have actually done this type of thing. It doesn't have to be me. It could be other deliverance ministers. But just make sure that you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And you will never go wrong. That's all I got to say. Luis Rodriguez, you are on fire for Jesus. I am loving it. I love this interview. I need you. You know, at the end of every interview, I always have the guests pray. I need you to pray for two people, two groups of people. One for those who realize that they are living in a household or even a, living a lifestyle of paganism where they may be into the occult and maybe not even had known it, but they're, that's their lifestyle or even those who are in the occult but know it. So I need you to pray for those group of people. And wow. then could you pray for those who already know Jesus and who wants to be bold in the faith and who wants that zeal for Jesus Christ where they want to do what God told them to do, the great commission, and to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. So could you pray for the two groups of people I just mentioned? Absolutely. It'd be an honor. <laughs> Let's do it. Amen. Heavenly Father, I'd just like to uh, thank you for this interview, God. I'd like to give you a special thanks to my sister, Jen, here for allowing me to even come on and being a part of this, God, is such an honor. I just bring you glory and praise, Father God. Um, Father, everything that was said today, I really had prayed beforehand that you would speak through us, and you did, Father. And it was just a lovely conversation to have. 
And so I just give you the praise and, and glory, Father God, for this moment right now and this fellowship that we have. And Father, I'd like to stand in the gap for those, Father God, that, that are wavering, um, that are in the occult, Father God. And uh, they, don't, they don't have this realization of the dangers that, that could present into their lives. And so, Father, I pray that you remove the veil from their eyes, Father, and that you would bring someone, a laborer in the field, to come and minister to them about the Lord Jesus Christ and how powerful you are, God. Because compared to these devils, Father, they, they got nothing on the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I just pray that you would send people to minister to these people and that the blinds would be taken off of them, Father God. And I pray that they would realize the danger that they put their lives in and even their future family, Father God, when they're diving into things like witchcraft and sorcery. It's a real big thing, Father God, nowadays. And I just, Father, we come against those devils, Father God, in their lives, Father. We bind them now in Jesus' name. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon these people, Father God, that you would protect them, protect the ones that want to come out of this lifestyle, protect them and deliver the ones that want to come out of this lifestyle. And for those who are still stuck in their ways, Father, may you reveal to them in Jesus' name why they should come out of this lifestyle. It destroys everything, God. So I thank you for that, Lord. Amen to that. And Father, I also lift up those people to you that, that want to be bold in their faith, but just don't quite have that boldness yet. Father, I pray that you would make these Christians, um, Father, fearless, you know, fearless to, to do the things of the kingdom of God to not be afraid to go out there and really tear down Satan's kingdom. We need more people like that. We need more warriors in the spirit. And as I said before in this interview, um, I don't know if we really mentioned it, but my life had prepared me to become this way. So it will take uh, some progression. It does take steps to get there. But Father God, for those who are ready to make that commitment, Father, I pray that you, that you kind of put them in the furnace, Father God, so that they may be refined and they may come out and do these things, do the Great Commission, and actually just destroy Satan everywhere they go. And that's what we need, Father God, because so many witches and warlocks, they laugh at Christians. They laugh at us for being powerless, God, for not being spirit-led. But if we can be spirit-led, there's nothing that will be able to stop us. So I pray right now that all those that are on the fence, that there would be boldness that would just come into their spirits boldness right now in Jesus name that a fire of God would just manifest in their bellies right now and father that you would lead them father that you would lead them into a life uh into a life full of well full of signs wonders and miracles God that's what we're called to do and to show people that God is real through these signs wonders and miracles to show people that the Lord is real through the power and the might of the Holy Spirit in Jesus mighty name we pray amen thank you Lord. amen amen <laughs> Lewis, thank you so much for being on. I mean, it was an amazing blessing. Yeah, amen. It was for me too. Trust me. Looking for some deep believing, bold quoted Christian t-shirts, hoodies, or sweaters? Look no further. Visit MyJesusFriend.com to get 10% off whatever you want when you enter promo code BELIEVER21. That's www.MyJesusFriend.com.